howdy, howdy hey. hey. Welcome to the Texans Take. We've, we've officially just been laughing at ourselves for about 10 minutes. We're so funny and so entertaining to ourselves, I guess. Uh, easily entertained. I don't know about you, but I could definitely entertain myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Whether anyone else thinks it's funny, that's irrelevant. Oh, yeah, very relevant. Do you ever just, like, read something or say something and just burst out laughing oh, yeah. because it is hilarious and yeah, you know it is? It's uh, like, I know it's funny, and you should think it is, too. But if you don't, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yes, indeed. I'm cracking myself up. So, we are back. We've made it really far. In Moses, not Moses, Exodus chapter 3. Part- I know Moses had a chapter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the third time, maybe we'll get through it. Maybe not. Who knows? I mean, uh, we are getting a verse ahead every time, you know. So are we though? Yeah, because the time before we didn't we didn't go through the last two verses. What are those? So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Yeah, we didn't get that far. We did not get that far. In fact, we got as far as I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel. Yeah, see, we I didn't am. get that far. Oh, we didn't get that far. Is that what you're saying? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, got a couple of words further. That's right. One Some sentence yeah. further. <clears throat> now we just need to make sure we end on, on the next word. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you, has sent me to you. All right. So now we're officially ahead. And uh, All right. Well, good day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're now going to talk, to talk about, about next that time. sentence for two hours. Uh, though it would be amazing, and I'm sure that some people can, and it's uh, wonderful stuff, I don't have that much insight. Yeah. So there's only so much that I can pull from that <coughs> sentence. Uh, but that being said, we're going to try to read a little bit further and see how far we get. Okay, so let me go back just a little bit. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, Well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus ye shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt and to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to the land flowing with milk and honey, uh, to the land flowing with milk and honey. Texas. <clears throat> then they will heed your voice and you, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. You shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now, please, let us go three days' journey to the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. That's that's nice. I mean, he doesn't say, yo, we're out. He's saying, 
please let us go. Like, I'm giving you the chance. Yeah. I'm giving you the chance to say no, but I'm just trying to be nice, you know? Uh, we don't, we want to go worship our God, but we also want to have good dealings with you, mm -hmm. you know? Please let us go. I'm giving you the chance. Please say yes so that we don't have to crush you, you know? Uh, <clears throat> but, um, uh -huh. doesn't work out so well for Egypt now, does it? Hmm. We'll find that out shortly. So I just thought that that was interesting. The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now, please, let us go three days' journey to the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a <laughs> mighty hand. <laughs> just thought yeah. that was going to That's cute. Yeah, yeah. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. I always thought that was interesting. All my, all my wonders. wonders. Yes. Not all my plagues. Yeah, all my wonders. All my wonders. Yeah, these will be amazing. You guys get some popcorn. <laughs> you know, get well, yourself some lawn chairs. It is amazing, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and... When you, you know, hear stories about, you know, locust swarms and this and that, there are very few people that actually know what that's like, sure. you know? And I never really thought about it, but I was watching one of my favorite movies. don't know if you've seen it, Hidalgo. Oh, I have seen it. Well, <clears throat> and they filmed several scenes of that movie in the middle of a giant locust swarm. Wow. They actually waited weeks out there because it usually happens around this time of year. There's one or two really big locust storms. Uh -huh. and But they hung around and waited for this to happen so they could film that scene in a locust storm. In a locust storm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the whole scene is he's borderline. We're about ready to eat the horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, and uh, and the locust storm happens, and he just starts eating the bugs. He's like, okay, <laughs> we're good. Wow. But uh, when you think of things like that, the plagues like that, those it was dense. Like, in the movie, it's so dense, you can, it's like fog. Like, you can't see in front of you. Yeah. That's a lot of locusts. A lot of freaking bugs. And they can all die, for that matter. I hate bugs. Not just kidding. Not, not that bad. But Not to mention, the big ones can bite. Yeah, yeah I don't want that. They do enough damage to crops. Yeah. Which is exactly what they do to Egypt. Mm-hmm. But anyway, continue yeah, on. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. All my wonders. Yes, indeed. Um, Wouldn't you hate for God to really curse you? Yeah. Yeah. I if can that's see Pharaoh looking that's at a the wonder. God. Tell me how you really feel. Okay. <laughs> this little As you wish. All the Hebrews are out there going, ooh. Ah, <laughs> yeah. But, the the uh, first fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, let's see. So I will stretch my stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after he will, and after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people. So whoa, 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 whoa. All my wonders. That sentence that you thought was particularly interesting. Mm -hmm. 
I believe that's talking about a couple, if not a lot, if not all, of his plagues. And so we're talking, you know, locusts, uh, frogs. brimstone, frogs, lice. We'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. Um, but what does God say? Uh, oh, he, he's, he's not going to let you go. Let's see. No, no, but no. I'm hold, gonna on, send... hold on, hold on, hold uh, on. Ah, so I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst, and after that, he will let you go. So he's already saying, hey. You're going to have some failure here. Yeah. This isn't going to work gonna out gonna easy. It's not going to be easy. I I don't think that Pharaoh's gonna just let you go worship me. Uh, so I'm gonna do some stuff. Uh, it'll be amazing, trust me. Uh, and then he will let you go worship me. Already setting them up. He's telling them what's gonna happen. And what he's doing here, and and you see this throughout all of what we're about to read, <laughs> but. He's showing Pharaoh that he's not God. Mm -hmm. You know. And for the Pharaoh, that was kind of his his role among the people, really. You know it was what? The, the, the intermediary between their gods and them. Yeah. Here's the funny thing, though. Um, I actually um, heard a Sunday school class. Mm -hmm. And I believe... <clears throat> It was actually by Uncle Neil. Mm -hmm. uh, this is either a couple of years ago or maybe a year ago or something like that. And his topic was this, God's plagues on Egypt. And one interesting thing that he noted was that these plagues are not just merely like, let's see, uh, locusts. Yeah, that that's sounds particularly like a good one. bad. That's a good one. Let's throw locusts at them. <laughs> You know, um, turning the Nile into blood. That sounds particularly juicy. Let's throw that at them. Yeah, that's a good idea. No, 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 no. It wasn't just like, let's think of something, you know, particularly uh, nasty and force the Egyptians to live with that for a little bit. Right. It was a mockery of the Egyptian gods. It was. It was a direct mockery of the Egyptian gods. And apparently a lot of these gods, you know, like one of them was, um, you know, the Egyptians have many gods. They've got all their little animal heads. And that's one of the things that that movie shows. Yeah. Every time he, he's doing a god, you know, one of the, the, the pharaohs like, hey, come over here. Show him our god. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like um, like the Nile, there was a there was a god specifically who's, you know, the god of the Nile, you know. He's the one that makes the he, he's the one that makes the Nile rise and lower so that we can you know uh, do our whole crop thing, uh, which is the reason why Egypt was so prosperous was because they had that wonderful Nile that just came and went, mm -hmm. and it set up the it set up the the seasons of their crops, and so you know. Since they're like, hey, any god is any god, we'll take anyone that you send us. Right. Um, 
there must be some god that's controlling this Nile here, so we'll worship him. He'll be the god of our Nile. <laughs> uh, and so I, I don't remember which one it is, but I think Uncle Neil might have actually uh, uh, said which god yeah, I don't was remember. that god. But anyway, what did God do? He said, you know, the real god, uh, the Nile, let's see, uh, we'll turn that into blood. Which is a direct mockery of their particular Nile god. Oh, Hoppy. Is that happy? Happy. I would say that's happy. <laughs> happy was not very happy at <laughs> the outcome. The Egyptian god of the flooding of the Nile. Yep. So, um, oh, well, let's just read this. Happy was the, H-A-P-I, was the god of the annual flooding of the Nile in, Egypt, in ancient Egyptian religion. The flood deposited rich silt, fertile soil, on the river's banks allowing the Egyptians to grow crops. Happy was greatly celebrated among the Egyptians. Well, they were not very happy when happy wasn't controlling the Nile and, uh, you know, kept it from turning into blood. You know, whoops, whoops, huh? Maybe he didn't have a say in the matter anyway. <laughs> happy was now sad. Yes, yes. That's one of the great mockings of... Um, Oh, I want to say it's the book of Judges. I could be wrong, but I think it's the book of Judges. Um, when the... Gosh, what was his name? I'm so terrible with names, and it bleeds over into Bible stuff, too. Uh, but it's one of the prophets who um, he uh, uh, mocked the, the the Baal people over there. You know, let's put... Let's, uh, oh, no, no, that's no. no. Is that oh. not... Am I just completely First off, off, that's Elijah. That's <laughs> and, Elijah, yes. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's, it's I believe, in Isaiah, actually. Isaiah, okay, it's Isaiah. Yeah, it's one of my um, favorites. I, I actually did a Sunday school on that well, one. There you go. I would hope you know better than me then. <laughs> um, because I just read it, and then, like, it's in yeah, no, there, but no, Martin, names and books are not. Martin put me on the spot. Did he? Within, <laughs> it was like, he was like, uh, yeah, you're on for Sunday school this week. Uh, say again, slowly. Yeah, one more time. <laughs> you know, no, no, I, I told him that you were going to teach, you know, I think it was Tommy or somebody that was absent. And I was like, oh. Uh, okay. Well, this is plenty of notice. You know, I was working two jobs at the time. And oh. I was like, okay, well, um, this yeah. ought to be pretty interesting. Yeah. And so I got to thinking about it. I was like, what do I know a lot about? I was like, oh. One of my favorite stories. Exactly. <laughs> I was like. And then I, I dug into it, and I actually found out that Baal was the god of fire. So yeah. that was the mockery there. Yes, that was yes, actually yes. the god of fire. And he was See, like, god, okay, God loves burn to mock this up. things that are not him, you know, that are, you know, and that fire supposed was to be so him. hot, it ate up all the water and the altar. Licked up all the water, the altar, everything that was on it. Um, and uh, where was I going with that? God likes to make mockeries of other gods. Yeah, God likes to make mockeries of other gods. And just like you said, Baal is the god of fire. <laughs> and God went over there with Elijah and said, you know, pour more water on it. Come on, you know. Uh, I, I call your gods yeah, down. Exactly. Where are they? You know, I'm waiting. And one of the things that Elijah says, which is really funny, is he basically says, what are you gods doing? Are they relieving themselves? Where are they, huh? <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> The mockery is so strong with that. And that's one of the things, you know, there's a lot of Christians. Are they sleeping? Are they dead? Yeah. There's a lot of Christians that are like, you know, uh, sarcasm is right out and it's not very Christian to say unnice things. And I'm like, ha ha, what was Elijah doing? 
Right. He was out there openly mocking their gods. And, uh, you know, are they up there using and, the bathroom? And I mean, come on, sense, bring down the fire, huh? You know, in that sense, it was kind of a righteous anger that he was fueled with. Yeah, Because, yeah. you know, these people had been under suppression of the, the king and the queen at the time who were Baal worshippers. Yep. You know, so he was, it was kind of like God going, okay, we're going to put an end to this now. <laughs> and then to top it off, you know. He he gave them he let them play easy oh, for days. Yeah, it was it was like he let them play easy. He was like, you know, okay, so have your wood there, have your sacrifice, and uh, you know, bring fire down and burn it. You got dry wood, good for fire. Got your sacrifice. Your god is the god of fire. This should be easy, yeah, man. Yeah, the, the water didn't come into play bring until, it. until Elijah put it in. Yeah, the, you know, he was. And the then one and then when the it was water. Elijah's turn, he was like, you know. All right, let's do this thing. Put some water on there. And so they put some water on there. He's like, come now. Put more. Put some water on there. You see that See that basin around the base? Fill it up. And so the wood was not just like soaked. It was almost floating. Because of the amount of water there. I mean, the area that it was is like filled up. And then God rains down, the true God rains down fire, not only burning up the wood in the altar, but also lapping up all the water. And it was bone dry. <laughs> and a lot of steam, man. Can you yeah. imagine? Ooh, there's just, your Wow. <laughs> So anyway, all of that to say, the God is um, rather, he kind of likes to mock all those false gods. He is a jealous God. He is a jealous God. That is in the commandments. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Yep. And and we should let everybody know that that we, we did not completely forget that we had a guest speaker. He's just not here yet. He's not here yet. We're we're trying oh, to get in touch oh, with him. Actually, I just heard, I just heard, um, Facebooky sounds. Yeah, so we're we're trying to to get him on. His... Oh, cool. He says I am just in my car leaving work. Link me uh, the cast so I can catch up. Okay. Uh, doesn't work exactly like that, but I'll <laughs> let him know that. Um, we'll we'll uh, pull him in. We'll pull him in for part two. Yeah, we'll pull him um, in for part two. And again, this is Chef Kirk. He's a great guy. Uh, Kirk Morrison, by the way. Kirk is not his last name, and Chef is not his first name. <laughs> Though uh, it works out pretty me. well. <laughs> so anyway, um, what'll be cool, I suppose, is let's maybe go ahead and try to finish this in the remaining minutes, and we'll be able to start on a fresh chapter: the miraculous signs for Pharaoh, chapter four, um, and. Uh, uh, then we'll have uh, Chef Kirk for this next chapter, which is not an incredibly long chapter, but base, we don't have a very good track record for getting through these chapters very quickly. Uh, so anyway. No, no, it was like it all came to a halt when we hit Exodus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which, I mean, it's no more dense than Genesis. No. But there's just so much stuff here. And and there, Genesis is one of those where parts of Genesis were dense. Right, right. Parts Some of it, of it is not. like so and so because Whereas right so now so we're just got, hitting. Okay, okay, we get we're just it. hitting a very dense part of, yeah, of Exodus yeah. from the rip. Yeah. You know, 
So, and a lot of Genesis is not a, mm, so. Some of Genesis is just genealogy. Some of it is, you know, it's telling a story, but I don't know. The story in Exodus that you get, it's a little bit more. I don't know. Sometimes it feels a little bit more involved. It's, it's kind of kind of got a different flavor, right? Uh, but anyway, all of that to say, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey to the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But <laughs> I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be, when you go, that you shall not go empty-handed. No, no, no. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely, of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. But not only, I mean, yeah, you're plundering the Egyptians, but really they're just giving everything to you. Like, please take this and go. Come on. Get that out is of how here. it ends up. Just like yeah. get your people out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How can we pay you to leave? <gasps> All my gold and silver. Take it. Go. You know? You are now you are a curse upon our land. Yeah. Please. Which leave. is funny how that happened because mm-hmm. they brought a wonder and abundance to the land when they came from Canaan. Yeah. And now it's like you have now brought curses on our land. Please go. Well, the Egyptians brought the curses upon themselves. They did, but it's just kind of a funny coming and going type right. thing. And I'm pretty sure that the Egyptians see, were kind of like, you know, hey, 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 hey. hey. Rabbit foot is worn it's off. It's the pharaoh, okay? Yeah. You know, we're kind of being punished for what this dodo is doing. Uh, and mind you, the ones before him don't seem to be as vile. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, y'all, that's the end of chapter three. Uh, we'll start a fresh chapter on part two. So tune in in about, I don't know, a couple of minutes. Well, 30 seconds for everyone. 30 seconds for everybody. <laughs> and uh, we will see you soon. Hopefully we'll have Kirk on at that. That's time. right. All right. See you on See you in a bit. We are all back. right, so we're back, and we have our uh, our guest speaker. Um, I know him as Chef Kirk because that's how I was introduced to him, and yep. that's how I don't I was think I knew to. his last name until I friended him. His Facebook. last name was Kirk to me, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I believe his name is Kirk Morrison. And uh, Kirk, why don't you introduce yourself? All right, that's me. I am Kirk Morrison, and I've been a cook so long <laughs> that when people call me Chef Kirk. Uh, it's actually a distinguishment for, for me from the other Kirks that I know. They say, is it Cop Kirk, Chef Kirk, or Jail Kirk? <laughs> and uh, and if, you, if you knew the folks that I knew, that's kind of a joke. To be <laughs> chef Chef tends to work better, than me, better for me since I'm neither a policeman or a jail uh, guy. <laughs> or try not to be, anyway. Yeah. And oh. um, he is the, uh, the first one that I've met to... Accurate, accurately recreate the uh, amazing enchiladas from Pancho's Mexican restaurant. <laughs> That's right. And, they, and Pancho's, I mean, look, to know it was to love it. 
That's exactly and, you know, right. It's exactly the dollar ninety nine all you can eat Mexican buffet. In fact, in fact, my Speaking dad, poncho, my so. dad will claim to this day that I am a product, not necessarily a product, but anyway, of ponchos. <laughs> um, no, wait, did ponchos prompt the conception or delivery? The delivery. <laughs> oh, okay. right. So I, anyway, I think probably true. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, spicy food. I hear will well, do it. Yeah, Dad. Um, I was a little bit late, and Dad had a hankering for ponchos. Are you ever on time? No. <laughs> and Dad had a hankering for ponchos, and so uh, he and Mom went to ponchos, and that did it. I came the next day. <laughs> So sometimes a little poncho is all it takes. That's right. That's right. I probably had an enchilada in my hand when I came out. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, uh, I guess we're going to go ahead. And okay. Sorry. I hit a button and we had a break that wasn't called for. That's right. So but we're we're back gonna... now. So go ahead. And I'm sorry, but start I'm gonna, again. I'm going from... to de-button. I'm yeah. just going to like. Go ahead and restart about where you're calling from. Well, I'm calling from. Uh a town that a lot of people probably wouldn't have heard of. It's called Springfield, Louisiana, population 385. Okay. That's a and, lot. Uh, so I was born in uh, New Orleans when my dad was attending dental school and living in New Orleans. But, and then I lived there for a time. And anyway, I've called Springfield home for about 30 years now. Oh, wow. A little longer. And uh, I was recently up in North Carolina for work. And due to the uh, boogie virus, <laughs> and the shutdowns and restrictions, I'm uh, I'm no longer in Asheville until such time that our uh, our leaders uh, decide that we can go back to work. <laughs> yeah, right. You mean our representatives, right? Well, I would I would call them. Unfortunately, our leaders that are the ones that are making these decisions that are uh, causing and enforcing restrictions and mandates that are not only unlawful. Yeah. Uh, and unconstitutional. Uh, these are at the state level, which are any that's its own. Hey, what, that's a can of worms I can't even open. Yeah, you probably shouldn't. I mean, go I there. just now looked under the lid, and it's a pretty big can. Well, hey, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started, um, and. Um, so we're in chapter four. Now, uh, uh, one thing that we do like to do is I like to tell everybody which Bible we're reading from. And me personally, I'm reading from my favorite Bible, which isn't actually mine. It's Briggs, but it's the uh, the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible. It's a New King James Version. Uh, doesn't okay. matter which one you're reading from. Um, and uh, so don't worry about the version. We'll... Uh, uh, we can pretty much understand what each other is talking about. And, uh, well, hey, uh, um, Kirk, would you like to go ahead and read the, you know, get started and read some, some verses for us? Well, I'm going to have to switch to uh, voice because I can't really multitask like that. That's okay. <laughs> if, if that's if that's too much, I'll go ahead and read. But if you can. Um, I am. I am. I am just about here. Let me. Okay. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be great? My goodness gracious. <laughs> it's dark. I, I leave it dark on my porch because we have um uh where I live, the mosquitoes. Uh-huh. 
I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. <laughs> they really like light bulbs. You mean yeah, the, they do. the giant light vultures that come down? They like blood, too. You know, I've come to believe that mosquitoes in uh, Louisiana are kind of worse than elsewhere in the South. Is that Anywhere true? Anywhere in the world. <laughs> in the world, okay. <laughs> Springfield is on the cusp of Lake Marfa, a big lake, very oh, large. I actually know where that is. You know, maybe it's <laughs> next to Lake Pontchartrain. Okay, yeah, I know where that is. So we're on the cusp of Lake Marfa at the convergence of three rivers. So we have the Tickfog and the Taubany and the Blood and Lake Pontchartrain. So it's the swamp. So you're just mosquitoes. in the middle of the breeding ground. Wow. The, the mosquitoes here, I mean, like they'll, they, they came up this afternoon and they said, take your shirt off. And I said, what? And they said, oh, I'm going to bite you through it. And I said, well, you're just going to have to bite me through it because I'm not taking the shirt off. <laughs> these, are, these are some tough customers. Yes, they are. <laughs> But I am, but I am ready, and I, and I have book open. If you can hear me, yeah, we can uh, hear you. So whenever, whenever you're ready, we won't ask you to read all of it, but we kind of like to, you know, have our guests do a little bit of reading if they're down for it. Um, here we are, and Moses answered and said, "But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared to thee.' He's implying that uh, this thing that you're telling me to do." Most of what the beginning of this chapter about, in my assessment, is Moses dealing with his confidence yep. and that he has a severe lack of confidence for numerous reasons. And uh, and the Lord said unto him, what is that in thy hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I'd be a little yeah. jumpy to pick it back up, too. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand, take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Wow. That they may believe in the Lord, God of their fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said, furthermore unto him, put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. When he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. He said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. He put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, but they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. Uh, and so what is being said there is, they will believe by this miracle that you can... He was going to give them, he wanted to ensure that Moses knew there is going to be a way they will believe you. Of mm -hmm. course, they're not going to believe you if you just walk in there and tell them something. You're going to have to have something to show them. Right. And he is, uh, so God has shown Moses that he can perform these miracles in order for him to be believed when he passes this great message that would otherwise be uh, fantastic and unbelievable. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, it's interesting how God uses the snake or the serpent. You know, um, I mean, when you look at the uh, uh, what is it? It's the medical staff. It's got the the, the serpent on the top, mm -hmm. of it. and that's actually that's actually that way uh, because of 
you know, where we'll come later on in Exodus and the wilderness wanderings, um, where God, I think, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, with Aaron. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember what the uh, was it was it leprosy or something? What was it? Yeah, I, I don't. I remember. forget what exactly it was, but people were getting sick and dying. And Moses was going up. Yeah. And he said, you know, I'll return kind of thing. And he said, well, we'll just uh, do this instead. Right. Since God's not responding And now. it was because of sin that this trouble was going on. And so whenever he came back, God told, I believe it was Moses, he said, um, make, a, make a serpent of gold or something like that yeah. and put it up on a rod. And when they look on that, they will be healed. Um, right. And so that's where that, that's where that, um, that symbol, that medical symbol comes from is that instance and um, and in the uh, uh, numerous times throughout the Bible, particularly in Proverbs, Psalms, two more references in the New Testament, but uh, the serpent is referred to as wise. Wise, as wise, wise as a serpent. Wisdom, that's right. That be as wise as a serpent. So that's a theme uh, that you'll see in the Bible, and uh, the serpent, while it can represent the deceiver uh can also represent great wisdom which i think is 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 highly funny for reasons that people in west texas will easily know um so because of the giant amount of hogs Mm -hmm. in west texas and really all of texas but it's really bad in west texas i'm sure you're getting a lot of that in louisiana as well because they're they're making their way through that area but um, the rattlesnakes in West Texas have quit rattling. What? Yes, because the hogs will kill them. Dang. And so instead of rattling as a sign of, I'm a bad guy, they're not rattling as a sign of, I'm I want to stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this serpent? I, I didn't know that until several years ago. I was uh, This was when my grandfather was, was still with us. It was actually the last year that I was hunting with him. Uh, my my grand, we, had, uh, we have these deer feeders set up because my uncle loves to... He feeds the deer on the property. He graduated from A&M. This is his specialty is raising deer and doing the thing. So he was feeding the deer on our lease. And uh, we were filling one of the feeders. My grandfather, who was very tall, could easily step over these fences while the rest of us had to, like, actually climb them. And uh, he, like, stepped over. And as he stepped over, my uncle just, like, grabbed him. And mind you, he's in his 60s. Just kind of ripped this old man over the fence and pulled him on the ground. He was about to step on six rattlers. Oh! They were coiled up, ready to strike, and had not made a sound. Wow. <laughs> that would yeah. have been... And uh, uh, was a group of them? It was a group of them. Yeah, it was four wow. of them. Wow. I would wonder, uh, and I know that this is a bit of a digress, but um, when we find groups, and we, we don't have... You have the uh, Western Diamondback Rattlesnake. We have the bigger uh, yeah. set of rattlers and so forth. We have those too, but it's more common in Louisiana to see the Eastern yeah. Yep. But if you see a grip of snakes like that coiled up together, it's likely mating season because that's how they mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Once they together like that. They did not even make a sound. It was wow. just like, oh, shotgun time. <laughs> yeah, that didn't it. It didn't go like that for my first and uh, last encounter with this one rattler. <clears throat> I've had a few of them like that actually. Yeah, it was actually. Um, we're out in Bastrop, Texas, oh, about a year and a half ago, um, at my friend Josh's uh, ranch, and we made a fire, and we were going out to go sit around the fire, and as we were going out towards it, uh, <laughs> Josh uh, uh, yells something I won't repeat here, and jumps <laughs> to the side, and I was like, 
what? What? And he's like, I just heard a rattle. I was like, stop talking. <laughs> and then it rattles again. I was like, oh, there it is. Well, we had a, a spotlight. Wow. We had a spotlight. And so he put the, the spotlight on it. And I said, you hold the light. I'll go get the shotgun. So I went and got the shotgun and I came back and I blew his head off and I have his rattler in my room right now. Um, but, uh, no, he actually did rattle, but I don't remember there being any hogs out there either. I will, uh, I'll, 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 uh, I will belabor the point of rattlesnakes with one snake story from my childhood. I think I was maybe a teenager or so. And we were at a friend of mine's dairy farm, uh, his dad's dairy farm. And, uh, we had been squirrel hunting and uh squirrel season starts when it's still pretty warm here yeah you know and uh we were just walking back walking down the field line and uh his dog started barking little beagle and uh <laughs> already and, just rattling. and i said oh man that's a rattlesnake you know we gotta grab the dog don't let him you know open his <laughs> dog's name because you know a rattlesnake will kill your dog oh yeah and so, uh, through trial and error, we determined where the rattlesnake is. Rattlesnake probably was agitated by the dog. We killed the first rattlesnake, or we killed the rattlesnake, and we keep hearing the rattle. And I said, oh, man, that is so crazy. It's still rattling after it's dead. Now, it was nope, another one. There was another one. <laughs> oh, man. It had really irritated that second one that we had killed the first one. Oh. And uh, was still after the dog and so forth. Anyway. We got a double. We got a double kill one day. Yeah, that's yeah. never. That look when that first one rattles real hard after it dies. It's probably not the first one anymore. That's what. <laughs> I... Wow. Yes, and it's 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 oh. interesting. Once you have your nope. first encounter, you don't. I've, I've I've actually seen some timber rattlers, which are kind of a different breed uh, that we've seen up. Well, they're a different breed entirely, but as far as. They, they they're kind of reclusive, unlike you know the, the both the eastern and western diamondback. They're they're kind of a, a more in your face, whereas the timber rattlers are a little more reclusive. They they are, and they're not nearly as aggressive. They won't pursue you. Where those western rattlesnakes will pursue you. Oh yeah. Where the eastern diamondbacks are a lot more shy too. I mean, you can. And I I would rather come face to face with a rattlesnake than a water moccasin any day. <clears throat> you, well, want to, you want to talk about you know, the most aggressive the most, snake uh, I've ever come in contact? I have never had a snake follow me as I was trying to get away from it. Oh, dang. except I've had this on multiple occasions with cottonmouths, where they you, you just like you're trying to get out of the way, and they're still going towards you. Like I am not even threatening you anymore. I'm well, almost, they're they're not. I don't believe I've I've encountered watermoccasins. I can't even count as many the times over the summers that I spent in the woods, but. The ones that are the most aggressive, in my experience, in Louisiana anyway, are copperheads. See, I mean, that's, that's the, completely different in, in Texas because they copperheads are actually ones that I've seen, they'll run from you. But y'all also have a different type of copperhead uh, out in Louisiana. I only, I only know this because I, I, did, my, I did my college paper on, on poisonous snakes in the United States. So. Oh, fun. <laughs> hey that was what my mom said i had to write a paper on so that's hey, what i wrote a paper on cool enough but yeah y- y'all actually have a different breed out there and I-, I don't know i'm sure that i'm sure that does something just like it is with the timber rattler yeah well um 
should I do verse nine? Are we? Yep. yep. Yeah. I would go ahead and keep going. <laughs> We've digressed far enough. And so there's just a quick refresher before we go into nine. I think that the wording here is super important at the end of verse eight, mm-hmm. that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. Right. Yeah. I speak to them with this sign. Now they will believe the voice of the latter sign. So that wording is really important. And there's going to be a question come up, uh, you know, a few verses from now, and I don't recall exactly which verse it is, but there's going to be uh, a pretty big question come up about the voice of the latter, and I believe that this wording is ultra important to that. Mm. What, I, what I believe is eventually going to be said is, God, I, God, am going to speak to them through you, yeah. and they're going to hear me through you. So you're translating this message for me, but they're going to hear me. And it's going to come up later that, you know, the affliction and so forth, and, hey, I can't speak, and but we'll get to that. <clears throat> yeah. And it shall come to pass that they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice. So that's thy voice. He's telling Moses, if they don't listen to you, thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it on the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. He's telling him what he's going to do way in advance. Yeah. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither am I heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who made your, uh, who made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or the deaf? Or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and I will teach thee what thou shalt say. So, and so the quick translation of that is, he's telling him, you need to forget about what you think your shortcomings are. Yeah. I put them there. Yep. I mean, this my doing. And I'm telling you what to do. But if you notice what Moses says, <clears throat> he calls himself his servant. He says, you know, I'm not eloquent. Neither since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. He's talking about himself. He's saying, yes, I'm your servant, but I have these shortcomings. And God's telling him to ignore the shortcomings. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be with you. <clears throat> the thorn in the flesh. <clears throat> That's it. Yeah, and you can, see, you can see earlier, um, he talks in chapter 3, uh, when God says that you're going, to go, you're going to go to my people and you're going to tell them that, you know, uh, your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is telling you to, you know, um, to go worship me outside of Egypt. When I tell you this, um, Moses says, you know, who am I, you know, to to speak on behalf of you? And there's a hint of humbleness there, you know. He's like, you know, what am I? You know, I'm I'm nobody, uh, at least as far as I know. Right. Um, and uh you know and so he's he's kind of he's kind of humble there and then you know he's got some valid concerns here because he's like you know i just don't think that they're gonna go for it you know well, well and a lot of people i've heard a lot of theologians it. say There's that a he, big piece of this that you have to keep in mind <laughs> why would he just reject the lord or or he's just saying these are my shortcomings these are my uh these are my deficiencies and so forth. But the big piece that's missing from this chapter was covered in the last chapter, but never really in the detail that 
my opinion, satisfactory. <coughs> he has left Egypt. Okay, so he was, he's, his life has been tumultuous. He was born to a, uh, an aged mother, but into the tribe of Levi, a prestigious tribe. But then, as they're trying to kill off the firstborn, he ends up with uh, Pharaoh's daughter, but then because of the way God makes it all work, his own mother gets to nurse him and be with him and teach him about who he is and so forth. And then we lose 40 years. Yeah, That's the 40 years that we lose. And the next thing he does is kill somebody. Okay, he, uh, then, um, that's not the next thing he does, but the next important thing that he does yeah. is he kills an Egyptian. After he kills an Egyptian, he goes and tells some uh, Israelites to stop, uh, stop therefore, fighting. Yeah. they say, wait, you know, we know about this. And so he then leaves for another 40 years. He's, you know, he's on, he's in Midianite, uh, I'm sorry, Midian for uh, approximately 40 years. So that's what, that's what I was saying the other day. I thought, yeah. I thought it and was around 40 years. Here is, it's 80 years, right? This is a long time. And he's been gone for 40 years, and the last thing he did in Egypt was kill somebody. Right. So that has to be part of his uh, concern is how am I going to go back uh, to Pharaoh, whose house I lived in 40 years ago, and tell him all this stuff. And just like and waltz really in. You know. here, but that has to be part of his concern. Right, right. right. It must be. And I, I've heard and a lot so, of, uh, read a lot of things that said, you know, that a, a lot of at least the theologians who probably have studied it more than I have. Uh, think that Moses was probably a stutterer, you know, probably yeah, yeah. had, had there's, several there's different a, health speech issues. And, yeah. There's a really accepted Torah myth, and they call it a myth because it wasn't part of their canon, but mm-hmm. uh, that as a young person, Moses is sitting with Pharaoh or close enough to uh, Pharaoh that he takes his crown off and puts it on his own head. And the, the 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 magicians say that this is a bad omen, and so that they want to do this test, and they give him a uh, a brazier of gold and a brazier of coals, and that he takes the gold, and this will mark him as a bad person. If he takes the coals, then he can survive. And being the uh, young child that he is, he puts a coal in his mouth, which damages his mouth and causes the speech impediment. Mm-hmm. But that's not in the Bible, so it, that's just kind of like what maybe. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. That, that's what the Jews I mean, that would certainly do it. Now, that would definitely know. cause some problems. But I guess what I was saying earlier is, you know, um, he's rather humble in chapter three. And even in the beginning of chapter four, he's got valid concerns. Uh, you know, God, these people are not going to listen to me. Even if I tell them, you know, that God, the big man up there, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob you know, want us to do this thing, they're not going to listen to me, you know, and so he's got very valid concerns here. Well, at around 10, or I guess uh, 11, I guess maybe before that, um, he's starting to sound a little bit more desperate, you know. Um, and I, I think that what you're, I think that when you look at the life of Moses, uh-huh. uh, and it, it, it's a theme that will reverberate even in the chapter that we're on, but in the life of Moses, it's a very long life, a very complicated life. Not just the life of Moses, but the life of David or uh, Jacob. Or you, you, This is a theme with God. 
He will bring you away from sin, but he brings you back to your sin. Right. To, he, you have to rectify. You can't, you know, uh, Jacob had to make right with Esau before he could have this, that, and the other thing. David, with his problem with Bathsheba, had a dead child because of et cetera, you know. Right. And so J- Moses is going to have to address the murder. Right. And he is avoiding addressing the murder. Is part, at least in part, what his hesitation to go back is. Yeah. Because he's a murderer. Yep. You know, uh, and he doesn't really want to address that. That's not really covered in here, mm-hmm. but I think that that has to be that's, that's, about I think a real right. concern. Yeah. And that's, that's it's not like you would forget that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure that's I think that, you know, um, in the last podcast, Brig, I think that's what you were touching on was, you know, he was, you know, in, in, in the verse where he says, who am I? You know, mm-hmm. and um, he's probably thinking like, you know, hey, I'm here because I killed a guy, you know. And he why didn't really want to face it either. Why are you coming to me? You know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of two inches tall here and you're wanting me to do great things. Yeah, which... I'm two inches tall and I am one of the few males of my generation that got spared through an act of, I mean, like me right. going back. Right. I'm the guy who touched the bullet. I shouldn't have I'm, been alive to begin with. So I've got survivor's guilt, plus I'm a murderer. <laughs> and, uh, that's pretty severe. Yeah. And even I've even heard some uh, conjecture, I'll call it conjecture, that uh, his um, hesitation to go back and the speech impediment, uh, and, and, you know, in the, you know he's, he's wanting to dodge this... Uh, you know, let this cup pass me type thing. Is what oh, I'm yeah. Well, I, oh, I can, yeah. yeah, I can definitely see that. Interesting. And it could, it could be maybe uh, related to his uh, feeling of uh, he's betrayed his people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kid, as he dodged the bullet, he killed an Egyptian, and he dipped out for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. It could, just be, it could just be the guilt of all that, uh, you know. But we don't know that. But the conjecture on that, I think, is legitimate. Yeah. Um, and so I'm um, down to 14 here. Um, I'm sorry, uh, 13. 13 is where I stopped. And he, and he said, O oh my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him, whom thou wilt send. He's, that's a request. I'll do whatever you want. Just send somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not I'll, really whatever will, you want. He said, I'll go with him. Yeah. With whom thou sin. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? And I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. That's very interesting because we don't really know anything about Aaron uh, up until this part. Yeah. God, he's already coming, uh, which we don't know that he is or isn't. Or that he or Moses would even know each other. We know that uh, Miriam intervened in such a way that Moses' uh, birth mother uh, could be a part of his life, but we don't know much else. Yeah. Like, you know? And so he's telling him, I'm going to get Aaron to come, and he says, And thou shalt speak unto him and put words into his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what ye shall do. So that goes back to. Um, the earlier verse 
and I am slow of tongue. I'm slow of speech. I'm not eloquent. You know, he's, he's saying all this bad stuff. About it, and he's telling him, don't worry about it. And God already has the solution. He has yeah. somebody coming to take care of it for him. This is already taken care of. And all Moses has to do is what he's been called to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and well, I hey. think that, Oh, I was just going to say, um, uh, stay on the line. I think we need to uh, take a take a little bit of a break here. Um, okay. And so, y'all, we'll be back in just a minute. All right, we, we are, are back. back. Yes, it was short for y'all, but we got about we had some lively conversation. Yeah, we had some lively and, conversation because uh, it does take a couple minutes for that to upload. Sure. So where did we leave off? Did we finish six, uh, uh, verse 16, 17? I think that... Um, Let's see. So he shall be your spokesman yeah, of people. I, I, thought, I thought I left off with the uh, speaking the words of the mouth to your mouth and going back to the... So he's taking your inability. God is taking your inability or what you see as your shortcoming and he's making it stronger because it's his. And he's yeah. telling you he put it there. He he caused that disability, but he is going to use your voice, which you don't have, to speak his voice. Uh, that was the train of thought I was on uh, at the end of that. At the end of sixteen, he Eli spokesperson unto the people, and he shall be even. He shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. Mm. And that's what's being explained there is I'm going to take, I'm going to take that thing that you think is so weak and I'm going to make it me. I'm going to make it God, the most powerful thing there is. That's, that's how I interpret that. I think, I think that that's right. I shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you. What you shall so do. it's kind of like he's using he's using Aaron here to kind of load Moses's lips, yeah, and and what to say, and and God's sitting there saying, but it's it's me saying it, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm the one that's going to be saying it, but if you have to have somebody help you along, then here I'll provide one for you, basically. And and I want to I want to I don't know why this just ran through my mind and why it didn't while we were on it, but if you well that's actually in in the third uh, chapter. It's just flashed through my mind as maybe it's important, but there's a lot of strange wording. And even uh, the Hasidic Jews that write on this subject, or the uh, it's in Tinsdale for sure, and it's in Dakes for sure, mm-hmm. uh, their notes or commentaries, that the reason he says, you will say that I am that I am, and there's this odd wording that even the Jews don't really understand why would God say this word in this odd wording. It could have been because of Moses' speech impediment that he was speaking to him the way that he talked. Mm. That makes sense. That's just a weird side note, but I've read it before and I thought it made sense that God spoke to him in his broken dialect. Yeah. Or his, you know, but he keeps returning to the theme about I'm going to be your mouth and I'm going to put it in your mouth. Yeah. And I'm, you're going to tell your brother what to say and I'm going to empower him to say it and you will be using my voice when it goes, when it happens. I think that's right. Yeah. And one thing, you know, earlier in chapter three, I might have tried to start last week, but I don't think I finished is um, when 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 God says to Moses, I am who I am. um, 
I think I was using the uh, the example of, uh, um, you know, the image that comes to my mind is a, a knight coming to a castle and say, open the gates, you know, open yeah, in yeah, the name of the king, you know. Well, right. this is kind of what God is saying. He says, I am who I am. You need to tell them that you're coming in the name of somebody, you know. When God well, tells God, them who he, he is, there I is... There, I, that I am. But yeah. there's the confusion. Or, I'm sorry. I'm back on my little Brooklyn theme. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, you're okay. Um, but, um, you know, in God's case here, he doesn't have anybody who's a higher authority than he is. Right. He is as high as an authority as you can possibly get. So <laughs> logically, you know, if you're saying I'm coming in somebody's name, it's my name. And so I am. I am that authority. And I am who I am. There's no higher authority than me. And so he has to refer to himself if he's saying, you know, mm-hmm. you know, in whose name uh, he wants Moses to come in. So he says, I am has sent me to you. And uh, it's very interesting because uh, when you say I am, that is a, uh, I, I'm not, I'm trying to remember the grammatical uh, present perfect or whatever tense, but I am is the, is a tense where it's not like I was or I will be or I am now. It's continuous. I am is a state of existence. It's a state of being that has no beginning or end. Right. You okay. Know? Um, and... So it's really powerful. It's 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 um, it's a way of saying that you know. It's literally the highest authority, and it's an authority that lasts from beginning to end. Uh, and it's you know, there's no higher authority than that. And that's that's the way that um, I had it. Uh, explained to me a little while back. I probably didn't even do it justice. Um, but I think you get the gist of what I'm saying. I do. Uh, I, I, um, I don't, I don't know why I'm like, I wouldn't call it trembling on, uh, the next verse, which I think we can make the argument. It is, there are so many interesting verses in this chapter, but, um, That's true enough. With, with this in front of me, and thou shalt take this rod in thine hand wherever thou thou shalt do signs. Yeah. And and why why I think this is big is, and I would hate to bring uh, Disney into this uh, account, but for the sake of what I'm trying to explain, the rod is the feather for Dumbo. Oh. Dumbo can fly with the feather, That's where right? I Oh, that wasn't where he, I thought you were going, but that's he's a, good. He's adding to the confidence. He's saying this rod. Does, no, the rod has nothing to do with it. God does. Right. Miracle. God creates the miracle. But he's saying you hang on to this rod. And later, that theme will continue to come up in following chapters that hold that rod up. And if, if, if the rod's rod in the air, you're going to over and over and over again. But it's not the rod that's doing it. Right. It's the rod that's doing it. But the rod is the symbol of his faith in God. Right. That when I use this, this happens. 
Yeah. You see? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of a, it's interesting how God gives his delegates, his powers because you see the same quote unquote rod being used with Samson and his long hair. Well, and, and it's referred to either in the first or second chapter as the rod of God. And it's when he first talks about the rod, he, God himself calls it the rod of God, mm -hmm. which what does this, what is this, uh, physical, it's a stick. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing magical about it. Yeah. No. It's God's power working through it. Yeah. But he continues to remind him. And I think it's almost like he's giving him something that no one else has because of his feeling of ineptitude and his speech, plus the big recurring theme with Moses and a lot of other characters in the Bible is God is returning them eventually to their own sin, and he's going to punish them for what they did. Yeah. Moses then, we know that Moses felt guilty about this murder because he hid the body and fled. Yep. As soon as he knew, people knew he did it. He disappeared, didn't he? Yes, so he did. He hid it because it was sin. When he found out people knew about it, he didn't want to face the penalty for what he had done, so he disappeared. Yeah. And this theme will come up later, but oh, not yeah. in this chapter. But oh, that yeah. theme is going to that thing is going to reverberate through the whole life of Moses. Yeah. Uh, his poor decisions. God's still going to bless him. God's still going to be with him. God's going to be there. But he's eventually going to have to pay. Yeah. Is that, you know. Yeah. Um, That's a good okay. sound. <laughs> to, uh, okay. Um, and Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they yet be alive. That's because he's been gone so long. Yeah, he's been gonna, so well, he doesn't even know but, if they're still there. That's right. He said they might not even, I mean, they could be dead for a while now. Yeah. And Jeffrey, Moses, go in peace. So he has a blessing to leave. Somebody else can water the herd, which was his big, that was, you know, oddly enough, watering the herd was what got him accepted in Midian. But yeah, that's kind of what started his little journey in this area. Heck, it got him a wife, too. Well, yeah. exactly. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, go, return oh, into Egypt, for all the men are dead, which sought thy life. And so he's saying, look, Nobody's going to punish you for your sin, of man. Like that, that thing you did, you don't have to worry about that. He's in See, that's that reverberation of that theme. Moses is running from something he didn't have to run from anymore, mm -hmm. but he is going to pay for it later. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so Moses took his wife and his sons. He set them upon an ass and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. The what? Yeah, the rod of God. The rod of God. Yeah, that was that. That's his. Um, that's his. Uh, what do they call them? What's what's the blanket? The security blanket. The, uh -huh. You don't really need this, but I'm giving this to you because you're so insecure. Your insecurity is so big. I'm putting this in your hand, right? Right. It'll it'll be a constant reminder for yeah. him. Right. And the Lord said unto Moses, "Now goes to return in Egypt." See that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I will have put in thy hand. And this one always confused me, this piece right here. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And so 
God has already told him, you're going to get slapped in the face when you do this. Yeah. And I'm cause it to happen. I, I will harden his heart. So yeah. if God hardens your heart, your heart will get hardened, right? Uh, and, uh, and he and says that. And he, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, um, this is not the first time that he tells him that either. No, you know, he he's, come, he's telling him, in chapter get, in chapter three. He says, you know, hey, I know that Pharaoh is not going to be down for this. You know, you're going to have to you're going to have to show him my wonders before he's going to let you go, and it's going to take a while. Um, wow. And here he says it again, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. And so here, this is another, and I'm going to read the next two verses at the same time. Yeah, but this other. This is another massively reverberating theme through the entire Bible is, uh, and now shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn, and I shall say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me, and if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And so the firstborn has a massive massive impact and it's it's the constant theme through the bible it's the constant theme through our world and how uh, uh even in uh cultures that don't practice christianity or follow the bible the firstborn is a huge deal that's a huge just deal. Alone in over and over and over and over again cultures the firstborn son is a big deal mm-hmm. moses was supposed to be uh killed because of uh the Pharaoh had wanted mm-hmm. to get rid of all, you know, this theme is everywhere. Jesus was part of this whole, uh, we're going to, you know. Yeah, Jacob, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Esau was supposed to get the birthright because he was the firstborn, you know, and it wasn't, you know. right. And if you look at, if you look at Jacob and the trials of Jacob, that one is still a puzzle for me, but Jacob had to come back to his original sin, which was stealing the birthright. Yeah. Jesus didn't um, Jesus. God did not let Jacob have the birthright until he set things straight with Esau and then changed it. Right? Yeah. But that, that's that's gonna come and later. It's, and it's interesting because he, he even he even, you know with Joseph's sons. He even says ahead of time that, you know, he, he talks to he tells Jacob's mother, you know, hey, there's there's a battle going on um, in, in, your, the womb. In, in your womb. Uh, there are there are two kingdoms in there and the, the greater or the older shall serve the younger. And so he says it ahead of time and then it plays out. And then just like just like Brig mentioned, Joseph's sons. um Purposefully, no. purposefully, yeah, because Jacob was, or or um, Israel, who he became, right. was blessing Joseph's sons, and he put his hand on the younger son's head to bless him, and Joseph was upset, and he was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, old man!" and tries to move his hand to the elder son. Like, no, no, I know what I'm doing. And Jacob says. Uh, I know what I'm doing. Uh, well, I don't even I, think he says trust I know me on this. I think he says this is the way it's supposed time, to be. I have time. Yeah, yeah, so right, yeah. Right to that exact same theme. Well, Samuel 
came out looking to bless somebody. Mm-hmm. And Jesse said, my boys are all off in a war. And he said, no, there's somebody here. And Jesse again said, no, all my sons are in a war. Uh, David's father, Jesse. Mm-hmm. And he and Samuel, uh, uh, at least the second or third time, said, no, the guy I'm looking for is around here. And he said, it's my little one. He's out there. He's a shepherd. He's not He's not a man of war. All my boys that are old enough to fight are in a war. But it was David. He sought him out. Yeah. Which is interesting. He's always giving. For the acquaintance, that would be, that's not the same as a birthright, but this is where the anointing is going to be. Right, right. Okay? He knew where the anointing was supposed to go. Yeah. And even his own father didn't believe. Yeah. So that's a, I don't know. It's funny, the fathers are always clueless when it happens. Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> and they're always wrong. Man. They're always wrong. Uh, with the, uh, I guess it was uh, Isaac was old and blind, and, you know, uh, he gives the birthright to, to, you know, to Jacob, and he has no idea what's going on, so he was wrong. And. Jacob gives it to, uh, I, I think it's Ephraim. Yeah. Maybe it's Manasseh. I forget which one. And Joseph has no idea what's going on. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's interesting the way that works. And then Jesse, you know, is giving it to David, and he has no idea what's going on. Well, and I think that was kind of, uh, you know, this was a whirlwind thought that just came to me right now. But, you know, I think this is kind of, when uh, when Jacob goes back and and blesses um, Joseph's sons, I think in a way he's mirroring the the sin uh-huh. that happened when Joseph stole the birth or when, when Jacob stole the birthright. Mm-hmm. So it's like mirroring the same thing down below. Maybe so. Because he he does it, it, it's intentional. It is intentional for sure. So the the reasonings were kind of like you know this is. This is the way it's starting a trend here. Right. I, I, start, it's, I started it. <laughs> it's it's almost it's almost like that, but it, it's like there's there's a deeper meaning to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so so moving on, and I'm gonna do um I'm gonna I'm gonna get three verses in this one because they're all of the same theme. Yeah. And there's so that's at the end of these three. Yeah. Okay. Oh, 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 yeah, this is where it starts to get real interesting. Well, and, and what's really interesting is there's just so little information passed. Yeah. And, uh, and But I'll read them first, and then I'll go over my uh, assessment of the three, yeah. and then we'll do a little discussion. Does that, is that... that sounds good to me. All right. And it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone, cut off the foreskin of her son, and cast it at his feet, and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So let him go, she said, a bloody husband thou art, because of the circumcision. And so what we don't know here is a, a number of things. Where is the end? Why, how are they all of a sudden in an end? Yeah. And not just the end, it's the way of the end. The Lord sought to kill him. Let's did God kill anybody he wants? This is all, it, it, it's just so very puzzling. We know that uh, Moses has taken up with Zipporah and she has borne him a son. 
but she cuts Forston off and throws it at his feet, who we have to assume, or I have to assume, this is not God. This is an emissary of God. This is an angel, right? Yeah. Uh, but then, surely you are a bloody husband, art thou to me? Uh, probably referring to Moses. Yeah. That's her husband. And she let him go. I assume that's the son. Yeah. And then she said, a bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. And so the Midianites did not practice circumcision. And you can assume that the mother should have performed the circumcision at the birth of Moses' son, since that was his son who should have been an Israelite, right. or would have by that been an Israelite. Yep. Uh, but this is a super bizarre interaction, but it goes to yet another son of Moses, which is he has taken up with this woman and not seen to performing the circumcision or knowing that it was performed. Yeah. So I have heard this one uh, years ago, uh, a, a discussion about while it may not have been a direct sin by Moses, it would be considered an unequal yoke yeah. or an even yoke. That, and that he hit up with the Midianite woman who mm-hmm. was dragging him away from it, right? Or, yeah, no, I, I think I think he hit the nail on the head there. Because um, when I was reading through this, you know, I read through that little section and I was like, son, what's going on here? And so I looked it up and I think it might have been the Matthew Henry commentary. He's so good with um, stuff like that. But anyway, the gist that I got, and let me go ahead and read... Um, in the New King James version, I think they, I think they add a couple of words, uh, or a couple of names that, um, you know, that's inferred. Uh, and it says it came to pass on the way at the encampment. It doesn't say the end. It says the encampment in the New King James version that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he, being God, because capital H there, let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Um, and in the Matthew Henry commentary that I read, uh, he said basically exactly what you said. Basically, you know, um, his son was not circumcised. And what it shows is, you know, for especially at this time, you know, God God had not written out his commandments yet, his Ten Commandments. Um, and there are still, there's still, you know, law that these guys have to follow or customs um, that Israelites have to follow if they are to be considered, you know, God's God's children. Um, and one of them is circumcision. And so you've got, and so it was a commandment for them. They were supposed to do it to their, their, their boys at, I think it's the eighth day. Um, And this kid has obviously gotten old enough and he still hadn't been circumcised. And I mean, we're talking about a kid. What's that? We're 
we're not talking about a child anymore. We're talking about arguably a 40-year-old man. Arguably a 40-year-old man. I'm not sure how old he is exactly, but I'm talking about, you know, Moses' son. Moses' son. Yeah. Moses had been in Midian for approximately 40 years. Mm -hmm. And this son was the product of his marriage. With Zipporah. Uh, which took place very shortly after he arrived there because... Yeah. So he's... The, you're right, he's possibly 40 he years that, old. They immediately said, hey, take one of my daughters. And so... Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> we don't know enough about that era, but we know that a long time had passed. A long time had passed. Long enough, long enough time had passed that all of the men who knew that he had killed the Egyptian had died. Now, I think that's kind of where they draw. <coughs> I think that's where they draw the idea that it was 40 years. Uh huh. But we're not talking about a child anymore. We're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. This is probably definitely a grown man. <laughs> this is <an> <laughs> that adds a whole new uh, uh, perspective to this. Um, but anyway, like you were saying, it is considered a sin by the father that is paid out on the son. You know. Yep. Um, yep. Which is interesting because it's not it's not that it's the son's fault necessarily, but he's the one that has to pay for it, which is why he's the one that sought out and not Moses. Um, which is which is that speaks a lot about, you know, you're not an island to yourself. When you commit a sin, you commit a sin against God, but you're not the only one that it affects. It affects many others. If you're a father, it affects your children. Um, and so you can see here that Moses' sin of not circumcising his son is being met out here by your son's going to die. And so I believe, like you said, it was probably an angel of the Lord that is out to kill Moses's son, and I guess Zipporah, you know, she probably knew of the Hebrew customs and I guess knew what needed to be done. And so she did it, then well, threw it at Moses and said, hey, you are a husband of blood to me, you know. I mean, uh, and I'm not sure, I'm not 100% sure what she means by that, except that there's blood involved. Uh, and... You know, she probably doesn't understand the Hebrew customs 100%, but obviously there's blood involved. She knows, she, knows, she knows enough to know that she neglected the same thing that her husband did. Right. Which, like, she she knows enough to know. She grasps the situation near immediately. Right. And son is allowed to go back to Midian and live out his days and so forth. and. Mm -hmm. That, that situation has been avoided. Yeah. But these um these next four verses, which I understand at the end, because we have plenty of time for discussion at the end, I think that they are uh, like enough that I don't think enough different happens here that you can't discourse uh, discuss. Yeah. Go ahead and read it all go ahead and read it all through. Um and the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses, and he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. 
that was referred to earlier before it's even discussed here as he said Aaron's on his way he told he says earlier Aaron is on his way yeah and isn't that your brother and so forth yep Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded and Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel so at this point he is in Egypt yep. he has left Midian he has not only gotten into Egypt, he got together all the elders. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And we can assume that the signs to which they're referring are the staff, the staff and the bosom, and the bosom yeah. which we've, the leprosy, or the, you can reach into his bosom and reach out. They're like these signs that were previously, uh, the aforementioned signs have been, uh, done in the sight of the people he showed them this is what i can do yeah right and so this is uh he's getting the people together before he goes to pharaoh yeah he's 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 uh you know bringing them all together in the belief that they have and then the people believed and when they heard that the lord had visited the children of israel that he had looked upon their affliction they bowed their heads and worshiped they're worshiping god they're not worshiping Moses or Aaron. Yeah. They bowed their head and worshiped because they said the Lord had visited the children of Israel and looked upon their affliction. And so what, what's going on there is he is preparing, uh, God is preparing his people to be delivered. Yeah. I mean, they've been there for a very long time. Yeah. Well, hey, um, we reached the end of the chapter, and uh, we are out of time for this segment. Just discuss the rest here in just a second after the break. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we'll come right back. All right, so we're back for the last little section here. We're going to... Uh, just finish up talking a little bit. We won't go for a whole 30 minutes probably, but we just wanted to finish up a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Kirk, what's your last, uh, what's your last thoughts on this chapter? My, well, my, my last thoughts on that chapter, I think that, uh, it, uh, we, we, we've covered the, the main, uh, basis, which are, uh, sin, return to sin, the thoughts about the firstborn and the, uh, the, you know, the puzzling mysteries with the, uh, the pieces in the center with the mother and the circumcision and letting the son go back and so forth. I could spend so much time on these subjects and, uh, I really wish that I understood them more, but I think that, I think that there is a, a way or a, I believe that the Bible was written in the way that it was so that mm -hmm. it would be pondered, that yeah. it would be dwelt on, that right? it would stay with you and that you would continue to think about it. And yeah. uh, maybe maybe that's the uh, takeaway from the idea is, uh, or, or, or my idea from this being my first podcast joining, mm -hmm. uh, is that I believe that, you know, you should continue to ponder uh, these deeper thoughts. But if I had to summarize the chapter, uh, which I think was your original question, I would think that, uh, 
we should believe that what we believe is an inability, God sees as an empowerment. And what we sometimes think are our weak cards are God's strongest cards. Yeah. And it, that God tells you, or he told Moses, just like he tells us, I made everyone, I made any disability you can have are pretty much listed right there. And he said, didn't I do that? Yeah. Then I will bring you through that. But you have to believe me. You have to follow me. You have to do what I tell you to do. That's what those would be the big takeaways from this chapter for me. <clears throat> Definitely, and you can see that you can see that theme resounding, like you said, throughout the rest of the Bible, um, with people with quote inabilities, uh, where God works them through. I mean, even as just a simple example, if you want to call it an easy one. Uh, is in the New Testament um, where you've got, you know, invalids that Jesus just tells to get up and go. And so they get up and go and they're not invalid anymore, you know, uh, and uh, giving sight to the blind and all. And he's doing that here just in a different way, you know, with Moses, which is interesting because he works with Moses here. And it even says so far as that God is angry with Moses, like, okay, I know that you're incompetent, but I'm still going to use you. And so you're not getting out of this one. Sorry, you've got a brother. We'll work through him. And because it says, um, you know, but he said, oh, my Lord, please send the hand of whoever else you may send, not me and so the anger of the lord is kindled against moses and he says is not aaron the levite your brother i know that he can speak well and look he's coming out to meet you well when he sees you you will be glad in his heart now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and i will be with you know i will be with your mouth and with his mouth and i will teach you what you shall do and you shall be your spokesman to the people, and he and and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God, and you shall take this rod in your hand, which you shall do the signs. And so God's angry with Moses here. He's like, All right, shut up. I get it. <laughs> I know. I made your pathetic little mouth. We're gonna work through Aaron to get through your inabilities here, and it's gonna work out well. And what's really interesting is that, you know, Aaron is not, <clears throat> he's not trying to work through Aaron. He's working through Moses. Aaron is just essentially the mouth of Moses right. as Moses is, um, you know, the, uh, um, I guess the mouth of God in a sense. Cause what does he say? Uh, um, Let's see. He himself speak. Let's see. I will cheat, teach you what you shall do. And he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself, speaking about Aaron, shall be as a mouth for you. So he's going to be your mouth. And you will be to him as God. So basically, you're speaking for me to him. And he's to take everything that you say 
as what I say, mm-hmm. because you are the messenger of God right now to Aaron, and then he'll just say what I what, what you said, and so he's still I, working through Moses. I, I have this, uh, uh, and, I, and I'm sure there's a hundred other versions of it, but uh-huh. it's hard. It's hard that uh, it was actually uh, my uh, priest. Uh, he's a Catholic priest, and he had this printed on a card. Mm-hmm. This thing at least 20 years old, but I keep it in my wallet, and this is how it reads. Um, and I think it kind of ties in what we've been saying. Yeah. Uh, reference to Moses and so forth. It says, uh, Jacob was a liar and a cheat. Peter had a bad temper. David was a murderer and had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah found and hid from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses was a stutterer. Zacchaeus was short. Abraham was old and Lazarus was dead. (laughs) God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's exactly right. I like that. Yeah, that's. That, I've been carrying that in my wallet for 24 years. I've actually heard that before, that's, but yeah, that is. Well, there's so many versions of it, but there isn't is. That perfect. That is. that is so perfect. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies, he qualifies the call. The call. I, think I think that's, that's probably. Really I think that'll probably be a a good little word or message to end on. Right. I I, I think that is. That's that pretty much summarizes the chapter. <laughs> it, it really does. It's exactly what we see happening to Moses here. And, uh, you know, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yeah. I like that so much. Yes, indeed. All right, gents. I can't wait. I can't wait until we do this again. Well, Chef Kirk, it was, it we was are absolutely certainly going to have you back absolutely. on. Absolutely. And uh, this has been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, well, we will uh, we will tip glasses again. And, uh uh y'all listening i guess we'll see you on tuesday yep tuesday all right adios y'all. looking forward to it thanks guys thank you for listening to the podcast you can follow us on spotify google podcasts itunes and more and be sure to like and check out our facebook page